0: You're listening to the Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counselor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of the Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before these stories are for the highly sensitives the empaths and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health Hello everyone and welcome to this episode. Today I'm chatting to Dr. Lisa Gadd, an osteopath and the founder of Living Health Group and also she is a health and business coach. And Lisa supports high achievers uh, to grow and thrive in both their business but also their everyday life. And I'm really, really excited to have her on today. So welcome Lisa. Good morning sarah Jane. how are you today? <laughs> I'm good, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm I'm really excited to have you. Actually,
1: I'm excited to be here. Yes, it's going to be a great uh, episode.
0: I think so too. Can you give everyone just a little, I guess, rundown about who you are, what your background is, and I guess what you do and what has led you to doing what you do today? Yes. Um, so really
1: similar to you, Sarah. Um, you know, we've both spent what five years at uni uh, learning the tools of the <laughs> brain, so. You're obviously a chiropractor, and I'm an osteopath. So a five good five year slog back at uni, um, mm-hmm. which led me into osteopathy. And how I got into osteo was I played heaps of sport as a kid. So I was a netballer, basketballer, super keen um, athlete. But unfortunately, I was often injured. So. For me, that meant that I was often seeing my osteopath to help me get back on the netball court or the basketball court. Um, So health and fitness has always been a really big passion for me, Um, which is why osteo is such a fitting career for me. Um, But I guess for me, my, my journey changed and pivoted back when I was 24. So I'd been out working as an osteo my first year out of uni doing like what most 24-year-olds were doing, so going out on the weekends, working, playing sport, just living life, and all of a sudden, I'd had a stroke. So I'd gone from being this really fit, healthy 24-year-old, and then a stroke that pretty much changed my whole life moving forward. So then from there, it was a journey of recovering and learning to get back my health, both physically and mentally. Um... And I did eventually get back into my osteo career. And then I guess from there, it just gave me that urge and desire to want to help more people on a much bigger scale than um, the one on one that I get to do just in the clinic. So from there, I birthed my little Living Health group.
0: Wow. I can't believe you had a stroke at 24. And especially since you were, you know, like you said, very active, um, healthy, you know, it's just crazy. It would have been so unexpected for you in in so many ways. And and what was the recovery like for that? Because I can imagine, you know, not just the physical recovery, but also the emotional recovery that, that, you know, needs to take place to be able to, I guess, have the courage and resilience to push through something like that. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown about that? I, I know it's probably, you know, something that you're asked about quite often, but I love my clients and those who are listening to hear stories from people who have experienced really, you know, challenging hard times and not only managed to, you know, improve and and to get back into life but to almost, you know, thrive like what you've explained that you love helping people do. I would imagine this is one of those reasons as to why.
1: Yeah. Look, it definitely it wasn't an easy journey and um, I think the first hurdle was you know, we've got a bit of a, being practitioners, we've got some medical background behind us. So being a 24-year-old and having a stroke, that just like doesn't quite add up from what we've been taught at uni. You know, there's, for me, it was that real association of, you know, this only happens when people are really older. So the first thing I really had to wrap my head around was what the hell has happened Um, and try and grasp that. And then it was this whole game of, okay, how do I get back to what was once normal for me? So how do I then get back to, you know, just getting up and going for a run? How do I just get up and, you know, get in my car and go for a drive and have a coffee with a girlfriend? And so the recovery definitely, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was definitely challenges. Um, some days were really good. Some days I was like, yep, I've you know, I've got this, we're, you know, I'm doing this. And then other days I'm like, why me? I don't want to do this. I just want to stay in bed. Why is this happening to me? And it's that internal battle of um, wanting to get back to my normal life, and then also the battle that—that that battle of why is this happening to me? So there's obviously there's two things: there's the whole physical realm of how do I physically get myself stronger? How do I get back to walking? How do I get back to talking properly? And then how do I battle my the internal dialogue and my mental, um, the mental chitter chatter of. Yes, I can do this and, oh, shit, why is this happening to me? So it's kind of the both the physical, the mental, and then you've got the whole emotional thing as well, like your friends, your family. Um, I wouldn't wish this on anybody but it has definitely given me the um, – I'm definitely a better practitioner and I'm definitely way more empathetic towards people because of what I've gone through.
0: Mm, yeah, I can only – imagine what that must have been like for you and you spoke a little bit about that internal battle and I think you know no matter what challenges that we are facing whether it is something like extreme like you went through or something like coronavirus or what we're experiencing now here in Melbourne or, or whatever it might be that that inner battle can be such I don't know just a really difficult thing to go through because you know it's the highs and the lows and. And just navigating through that, why do you think, you know, those belief systems are so significant and what impact can, I guess, the limiting beliefs have on our lives, especially, you know, those days you don't want to do things. How can we be both, you know, gentle with ourselves but yet push for for greatness or push ourselves outside of our comfort zones as well? Like, how can we navigate that battle?
1: Yeah, it's a really good, uh, really good question and, I think I think first we need to become aware of what is our limiting and beliefs and what are the patterns that we're playing out each day. And then for me it comes down to a, a choice. So when I know that I've always been, if my pattern is always doing A and I want to change it, I've then got to consciously choose B and I've just got to continually repeat through that, okay, this is what I normally do, this is my pattern, I want to change that, let's choose something else. And it's that it's like building, it's like going to the gym and building that muscle. It's the more we practice it and the more we get to do it, the stronger we get. Um, but I think awareness is the first thing and then making that conscious decision to choose something else, um, is how I've managed to navigate through the, the limiting. And like, I still have stuff that pops up for me all the time. Um, but I think now I'm a lot more aware of it and, I can make that change a little bit quicker because I've been practicing it for so long.
0: Mm. And it's it's almost um, becoming aware of the fact that you can make a conscious decision as well because sometimes in the moment, it just feels so automatic. And I'm quite a feeling or I guess the way I navigate my life is based upon how I feel about things a lot of the time. Yeah. And sometimes I find that a really great thing, but then other times it's like I might think that, you know, that doesn't feel right. But in fact, it's actually just a fear or a limiting belief that I'm holding, um, that's keeping me, you know, well, what appears to be safe, but then I'm never really growing or pushing myself either. So it's almost knowing yourself well enough to know, hang on, is this a fear? Or is this, you know, my gut feeling? Or what role did I have in this? Or what outcome happened? And what didn't I like about that? What did I like about that? And what can I, you know, do going forward? Because you really have to I guess, have that intimate relationship with yourself. I know it's corny saying you need to know yourself first and all that kind of thing. We hear it a lot. It's kind of, you know, you have to love yourself first and all that kind of thing. But I think even knowing who you are and knowing why you do the things you do or why you even believe the things you believe is so important because are they even your beliefs in the first place or have you, you know, got them along the way from someone else or is it to impress others or, you know, all those kind of things? How can people? distinguish I guess who they are like what's a little thing that they can do to start is it like learning their values or examining their current beliefs and go is that mine is that my mum's is that my dad's or or what is it that someone could do if they're at the start of becoming conscious or aware of those systems
1: Mm. yeah you made a really valid point it's I think the more we get to know each other and the more sorry ourselves not each other um the more we know each ourselves like, I think that's where the growth and the magic is. And so for me, it's, it's, it's two things. It's one, it's knowing my values um, and my values in terms of who I want to become moving forward. So if I know I want to get from here, from A to B, who do I need to become? What do I need to practice daily to help me become that better version or become that, that person of myself that I, um, that I want to be. But the other thing that I do on a, on a daily basis is I practice, um, I do a self-checking and every day I check in with myself. And I think this helps for someone who's starting off and who's wanting to help build that relationship with yourself. Um, I ask myself these three questions and they are first up, how do I feel in my mind? How do I feel in my body? And then what is it I need right now? So that's my little daily check-in to help me, just check in, help me connect with myself and just check in, okay, where am I at and how am I feeling? How am I going?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's so good because we're so busy all the time or normally, at least for melburnians that... We don't have that time for self-reflection and and then when we do, like I know for a lot of my clients, the struggle has been actually having that space and time with yourself and the scary part has been like, oh God, now I've got time to think or time to examine things that I can't, you know, sweep under the rug anymore or or hide anymore. Do you think that's why a lot of people maybe don't self-examine because they don't want to have to change something or face something as well?
1: Yeah, 100%. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's, you know, we don't know what's going to pop up. We don't know what whether it's something that's an event that's happened or whether it's something from our childhood. Um, We mentioned before limiting beliefs that we might have, you know, grabbed from parents or family. Um, Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. Mm. But Mm. on the other side of that, it's like are you comfortable being where you're at or do you want to make a change? Like is where you're going or where you want to go better than where you're currently, what you're currently sitting in?
0: Mm, mm, it's almost that short-term, you know, pain or gain for long-term benefit. Yeah. It's, you've got you've to weigh, weigh it up. And, you know, one of the questions I ask myself is like, would I be happy still doing this, you know, 20 years from now? Like as human beings, we want to grow, we want to evolve. And, you know, maybe the way I reacted to something when I was, maybe 18 would be different to how I react to, you know, something happening now. And that's almost a a way for me to go, okay, that's, that's a change. That's, that's a growth pattern there. And, And sometimes, you know, if we are going through hard times as well, I like to look back on other times that were hard and go, okay, yes, that, that wasn't easy. And like you said, not necessarily something you would wish upon anyone else or or even necessarily grateful that that happened to you but it's almost like but because of that I did develop this and that and you can see how it has led to maybe some more positive things in your life currently and one of the things that a lot of my clients come to me about which I thought I, I would ask you is people talk to me about wanting to find their purpose or finding more meaning in their life and but they're, they're lost they don't know where to start and what advice do you kind of have for people who may not know what their purpose is, but they're looking for it? and and why is it so hard to necessarily find? Isn't it within ourselves already, but we we can't seem to locate it in so many ways. Like why is it that purpose is such a or well, I guess meaningful things for people? like we're wanting to do things this day and age with purpose. We don't want to just have a job or go to work and go home. We want you know that that meaning. But how
1: do we find that? Yeah. And it's so interesting because I feel like our, our generation coming through is so much more on their a lot more on track for, you know, wanting purpose in their life, wanting to contribute to something bigger than themselves. Um that's just what I've noticed in the generation coming through in our millennials. Yeah. And how do you, as you said, it's got to come from within. It's about building that relationship with yourself and finding, okay, what is it that lights me up? What is it that I love to do? What does the world need? And how can I get paid to do that as well? Mm. Mm. So I think asking those questions of, yeah, what is it that I really, what is it that really makes me come alive and I really enjoy doing it and I could do it all day and it doesn't feel like I'm
0: actually doing any work? Mm. Mm. What about if they don't know the answer to that? Because <laughs> yeah. some people are like, like I'll be like, oh, so what did you love doing as a child or what's a hobby or what is something that you love to do? And so many people say, I don't know. They don't even know what they enjoy anymore or what, you know, it's I don't know, like why do we lose that and and is it when we go to school or, or how, how come we don't even know what we enjoy doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. I
0: I wonder if that comes back
1: to we've got that disconnect with ourselves. Like, as we mentioned right at the start, you know, we're so busy in terms of, like, we can be so easily distracted or disconnected, connected, you know, with the internet, social media. Um, We've got uh, heaps of reasons to be busy but not actually connected. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And And I wonder if it's because we yeah, we spend so much time being busy that we actually, we don't make the time for ourselves and we don't sit with ourselves and ask and figure out and explore and play and go, hmm, what do I like doing? You know, is it painting? Is it singing, dancing? And just experimenting with all these different things, riding a bike, getting out in nature, spending time with people um, and actually figuring out, okay, what is it that I really enjoy doing? And I feel like purpose is not something that we just wake up with and then all of a sudden, oh yes, this is my purpose. I feel like it's it's something we've got to explore and and keep. um, It's like playing with it and going, hmm, what's working for me? What path am I going on? And and it's probably going to you know change a little bit as you go along. But but yeah, I don't feel like it's just we wake up and this is my purpose. I feel like we've got to explore. We've got to get to know ourselves and really. yeah dive into it
0: yeah yeah I think so too and at the start I mentioned that you are the founder of a health and wellness clinic as well um what have you know what are you finding right now with COVID and everything you know is is there an ability to still grow a business at this time or without falling into, I guess, burnout or stress or worry or, or even the chaos that's kind of surrounding us at the moment or the fear? Like how have you managed to still grow a business during this time and, yeah, grow a business at all even from, you know, the start because it's a, it's a big deal um, going out on your own and, and having a vision and, you know, that's all good and well but to actually go out and, and execute it in a way that you have as well how did you do that and and how can other people who have businesses out there you know get some motivation to still I guess realize that they can actually grow still during this time Mm, good question
1: I think there's actually no better time than now to be in business um I know like don't get me wrong it's it's definitely been a it's been a challenging year I will not um you know I will not um that's definitely not yeah it's definitely been a challenging year and you know obviously for us as practitioners we've had a lot of restrictions around who we can and can't treat it's it's not business as usual for us over these past six months um, but I think the thing that I've really that's enabled me to grow during especially the past five years but this year as well is I think it's the this year's definitely made me a better leader um, I've obviously got a team of practitioners, and for us, it's about okay. How can we? This has really forced me to step up into my leadership ability, um, having a really strong vision about who we are, what we stand for, not only for us as a team but for our community as well. So it's about how can we, in this really difficult time, how can we still one be there for our team, but also be there for our community as well. So it's forced me to step up as a leader, um, not only for my team but also for the community as well, um, and. Uh, I am incredibly grateful, not only one for my team, but for the response that our community and the feedback and the support that our community has been able to give us during this difficult time. Um, So I think knowing who you are as a leader and what type of leader you are is probably a key during this difficult time. Knowing what you stand for for a company, whether you're a team of one or whether you're a team of ten, knowing what you stand for and what your values are. I think that has been the glue that's held us together and been able to help us navigate through this really difficult time.
0: Mm. Why is leadership so important in business? Because, you know, as practitioners, sometimes we're great, you know, um, chiropractors or osteos or or whatever, but not so good on the business side Mm. of things. Um, You know, we prefer to focus, I guess, more on that creative side almost is a way that I look at it in some aspects and then there's the more detail orientated business side of things why is the leadership so important and I guess what makes a good leader because you you know sometimes it's like okay is it by leading by example or is it um, you know there's a lot of different leadership styles out there but what do you think makes the best kind of leader yeah um I'll answer your first
1: question. Why do I think leadership's important? I think leadership's important, especially um, like if we look at the current market we're in, people want direction and people want to know where they're going. There's a heap of uncertainty at the minute. And so I think leadership is super important because it tells whether it's your team or your community or your clients, whoever it is, it's like, okay, this is where we're going. And it's it's giving people that certainty, um, which is what we're currently all lacking at the minute, and it gives them that clarity and it gives them that little bit of relief that, okay, cool, someone knows what's going on. Um, so I think that's why it's important at the minute. It gives people um, certainty. In terms of what type of leader, everyone's going to be a different type of leader. I think knowing what type of leader you are um, will help you. I am definitely a lead by example. Um, I we, I practice what we preach. I'm all about empowering my team. So I'm definitely I um, lead by example. I practice what we preach, but I'm all about empowering and building up my team and providing them with the environment and the resources they need to grow and develop. Um, that's how I predominantly lead. I'm obviously with a sporting background, I'm pretty <laughs> – Competitive, <laughs> but to be honest, most of my team's competitive too.
0: So that's probably a real reflection of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and who you're attracting, yeah, into your business because yeah, it's obviously one of your values. You know, to not necessarily be competitive to with others, but be competitive with yourself and trying to you know outstrive what maybe you did last year during this time, yeah. even in these times. Growth
1: is definitely one of my. Um, it's actually one of our team values as well. It's like how um, growth is one of our yeah core values here. And mine personally as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine that would be really important. So how can someone, I guess, um, help grow their team during this time or even themselves when it feels like we can't set anything? You know, it's like, well, we can't go on a team building retreat over here or we can't see each other in person necessarily or what it might be. How can we still grow? Because I think as human beings, as long as we feel like we're growing, like we can be pretty content. So even during these times for me, you know, I've enrolled in my postgrad and I've I've been doing some other things and some personal growth stuff where I feel like I'm still, you know, um, yeah, growing as a person from this time last year or the year before. So I'm quite happy with how I've managed this year. But how can others do that who maybe feel stuck or stagnant and not many options or at least from that certainty aspect that you were talking about they don't have that necessarily to feel like they can grow at this point what are some things that you know your team are doing or what we can do at least in some way to feel like we are still growing as practitioners or human beings or or everything really yeah um I
1: implemented right at the start of this COVID, so we obviously can't all be together at the same time um, with all the restrictions. So we do every Monday, um, every Monday morning, we all jump on Zoom together and we just do it, a team check-in. And that's it's nothing about it's nothing about KPIs, it's nothing about metrics. It's all purely about how's everyone's physical mental health going and what's one thing they're working on that week. And it does not have to be work-related. I've got some of my team that have now learnt how to rollerblades. <laughs> um i love that. getting back running um so it's just a real check in and i think this is what covid's really highlighted from a team perspective it's not so much about the metrics it's more about okay how is the mental and physical well-being of my team and what support can i give them what environment can i create to make them feel as comfortable and certain and feel like everything is still on track um as the rest of the world kind of, or the rest of Victoria kind of feels super uncertain. So every Monday we do that. And then every Friday we do a team training session. So we'll jump on another Zoom call and we will, we'll workshop whether it's an injury or a condition um, and we'll workshop that. And it still keeps them in the game of thinking about work, but it's also, they also still get to grow and learn and develop as well.
0: Mm. Mm. and it's good that you guys are still being able to connect in that way as well and yeah I think it's so important during this time because like you said you need to show that there's some certainty or at least stability existing somewhere (laughs) (laughs) for for everyone at the moment Um, so I guess the next question I have because you've touched on it quite a bit is I guess mindset as well you seem to have a very strong mindset and a lot of sports people tend to as well but so do people who have gone through something quite major in their life especially at an earlier age could you maybe talk a bit about what mindset is and what that means and um obviously because you're a business coach as well I'm assuming mindset would be such a big part in I guess whether people you know um are exceeding their expectations of themselves or or what they're wanting to achieve in terms of their goals? You know, how do you describe mindset and and what does it mean to you?
1: Yeah, I for me, I feel like mindset is the foundation for everything, um, because our thoughts then become our feelings, and our feelings then become our actions. So if we're having the wrong thoughts, then it's going to affect the way we feel, and then it's going to affect what we act on and what we do which then affects our results so for me mindset is the foundation and I I probably didn't realize that until going through the stroke and for me it was a certain point when I was in hospital and the doctors said to me they're like you're not going to make it um you know, we don't think you're going to survive. You're not going to make it. And for me, I still remember this, like a switch in my brain going Bing, like, nah, I've got things to do. I've got, you know, things I still want to achieve in life. I still want to be a mum. And it was for me simply making that choice. And I think mindset is still a practice. It's something I, I'm still always working on um, daily, but I think it's the keystone for everything else. If we can start to retrain our brain and start to to choose something different every time we, you know, we make that choice to be different um, instead of going down the same pattern. I feel like that's the building block and that's the momentum that we start to get.
0: Mm. Mm. What are some common patterns, I guess, that you see that don't optimally serve your clients or, or your team? What are some patterns that, maybe people can look out for that are usually, I guess, just that, a pattern or uh, something that we do unconsciously yep. that or, gets in our way. Or the story that we tell ourselves.
1: Um, mm. The common ones I see is that I'm not good enough. That's a big one. Um, what will people think of me as well? So our people pleasers out there, they, people won't do something or say something because they're worried about what other people will think of them um they're probably or the fear of failure is probably the third the big one especially in business what if I fail they're probably the three big challenges I'm commonly up against
0: Mm, mm. and in terms of I guess that's our human needs isn't it we all just want to be worthy and and lovable love that connection yep yeah why yeah Yeah. Why do we get so scared of failing, though? Because, you know, by definition of what we would perceive as a failure and what we actually like, what is it that we're scared of failing at what people would think of us if we do fail? Is it like maybe losing money or time? Or what is it? Because, you know, I know that a lot of more business minded people don't see failing as even a thing they see it as a constant learning and if you're scared to fail that you probably you know won't ever really do much because we're going to keep failing over and over again in that sense of learning and learning and learning again what is this um, failure thing that holds so many people back
1: yeah failure is a big one and I don't exactly know what it you know, what it is, but I definitely see a lot of what will people think of me. So if I fail, what will then people think of me? Um, and also the money is a huge one as well, you know, or what if I lose all my money? Um, yeah, and I think a lot of that has probably been ingrained from us from those limiting beliefs we talked about right at the start Yeah, growing up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just shapes us, doesn't it, for the rest of our lives as well and just I guess... For me, one of the things that I like to do is is think about with my limiting beliefs what opportunities I'm missing out on or won't see as a result of having them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, a really good way to break it down. Yeah, because I'm like, well, how is this holding me back and it's still a very realistic point of view it's not like my head's completely out in the clouds and I think everything's fine and everything's perfect and everything can happen and goes right and perfect I don't think that at all but I also like to I guess The world stretches us constantly anyway. Um, And I, I think that a lot of, I guess, overachievers or type A personalities are just used to stretching themselves. And so are sports people because they've seen the training, you know, they've seen the effort that it takes into that to get to the next point. But as an overachiever, I tend to have you know, I focus a lot on the future um, and I think a lot of us do and I sometimes forget that I have now some things that I only, you know, dreamed about or were just an idea before. What's some things that maybe some overachievers or type A personalities can do during, you know, this time as well? (laughs) I love this question because I'm also the type A, the
1: overachiever (laughs) personality style and it's like it's funny because it's our biggest strength but it's also our biggest weakness as well. And so it's finding that real balance between, okay, it's great that, you know, I want to go over here and I'm striving this way, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to burn out. So for me, it's about, it's about checking in. So breathing and doing that real simple check in of how do I feel in my mind? How do I feel in my body? And what is it I need right now? And bringing back to the present moment. Because when we're in the future, and then when we're in the past, we're both sitting in anxiety. So coming back to in the moment um, would probably be the biggest practice that us overachievers um, probably
0: need to work on, because mm, we tend to be quite future focused or or past focused, even or sort of, sort of all human beings in in general anyway. We you know if you look at our thoughts, they tend to be quite repetitive and. And negative, and yeah, I guess replaying moments of how things went in the past, how you wish they had have gone instead, and then thinking about the future. Why is it so challenging for us to be in the present moment, or why does our brain, you know, go to those negative things or those critical things as opposed to the things we've done well and 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 learn that way? Why is it such a <laughs> you know such a, a a lot of work, you know, constantly doing this? Yeah.
1: I, th- I wonder if part of this comes back to us being perfectionists as in everything's got to be perfect so it's like when we've when we're replaying that conversation or that story it's like oh shit what could I have done what could I have done differently so that next time um you know I could do this to to try and because we're, we're that type a personality we're, we're an overachiever we're generally perfect, perfectionist everything we want to get right um so I wonder if that is that that's what I think it is I think it's that um, that constant drive to keep growing, but also to, um, yeah, probably one of our weaknesses is have everything perfect.
0: Mm. Mm. And that will never happen, will no, it, unfortunately? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're all perfectly imperfect. It's It's, yeah. <laughs>
0: I usually tell some of my clients that, you know, you just have to start and it's not fixed when you, you know, release something or do something. It doesn't have to stay that way. It's like they feel like they have to get it right, you know, first first go and um, not change or not evolve. And we can, you know, whether that's in business or or whatever because I'm sure that you know the way you practiced when you were 24 is probably quite different to how you practice now like that's yeah, that's probably. what happens yeah <laughs> you know so you know when you first come out of uni it's it's a different um time and it's a different focus that you might have you know it sounds like your values were still quite similar in the sense of community and helping others but the way that you do that doesn't have to be the same forever Definitely, yeah. And
1: and that's part of, you know, this is part of the growing that we get to grow and evolve and every day, um, day, week, year, we get to become a different version of ourselves. Um, and for me, you know, I'm always trying to be a better version of me. Um, but, yeah, we, every day we get to be a different version of ourselves.
0: Mm, mm, every day is an, another opportunity yep. to make different choices. Definitely. Mm-mm. Why do you think that sometimes, like for example, you know, health can be one of my values? And if I, I don't know, ate a donut at McDonald's or or whatever I did, how come I make choices like that when it's actually not my value? Why do we do that? Or, you know, people will be told, um, you know you need to um you're going to get high cholesterol or blood pressure you need to lose weight or whatever it might be how come we still continue to smoke then or why do we do these destructive behaviors even though they can go against what our values are and we know that they're not good for us still why do we continue to do them
1: oh the good old (laughs) (laughs) self-sabotage it's yeah it's it's interesting, isn't it, how we can say, "Cool, we want to do," you know, "we want to eat and eat and be really physical, healthy," and then we could, you know, go and eat macas all weekend or something like that. Um, and it's that total out of alignment. And I think it comes back to that—that self sabotage. You know, we mentioned right at the start about limiting beliefs and whether it's stuff that we haven't quite that onion that we haven't quite un, 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 um, unpeeled and worked through you know it's all intertwined those that worthiness and the the self-sabotage and um, yeah it comes back to those damn limiting
0: beliefs ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, they they're, they're good they're good but we must get something out of it mustn't we is it, it do we actually get something positive out of se- self-sabotaging at times well we get that instant gratification so it's like that feel it's the release of that
1: that feel good hormone serotonin so it's like cool let's get a quick serotonin hit boom and then when when we go up we've got to come down so I think that's it's it's searching for that quick fix um and getting that quick hit um as opposed to like the slow and steady and the progress and the the journey
0: Mm -hmm. and I guess that sums us up as a I guess, a society as a whole at the moment. We're so instant gratification, aren't we? You know, mm. on, I can't remember, but they released statistics about how many times people check their phones a day in terms of updating their emails and their social media. And it was something like 300 and something times a day that people refresh. Wow. Um, yeah, to get that, you know, instant, well, what else am I seeing? What else can I absorb? You know, so we're very, very interesting creatures when it comes to that instant gratification but you mentioned breathing before and that that's something that you utilize within your life Mm -hmm. um how can we maybe breathe a little bit better what can we do what's a little exercise or something that the listeners can do to improve that
1: yep would you like me to walk you through my little breathing exercise yes please (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about you sarah but i feel like i spend a lot of time with my clients, teaching them how to breathe properly. It's it's something that we kind of forget to do. Mm. So I'll, I'll walk you through it now. So have a seat with your bum back in your chair, drop your shoulders, unlock your jaw, and I'm going to get you to pop your hand on your lower belly and just take three to four really deep breaths. And I want you to block, breathe into your lower belly, keep your shoulders relaxed, unlock your jaw. And you should feel your belly pop out like a little Winnie the Pooh belly. We're going to sit here for about five deep breaths. How do you feel? Better. Yeah. So it's belly breathing is like the quickest way for us to get out of our head and connect back in with ourselves. And, you know, as you and I know as practitioners, a lot of people breathe through like their upper ribs, through the upper part of their chest. And especially as women, we forget to let our stomach go and really breathe into the belly and get that air in. Um, which activates our parasympathetic nervous system, which helps us relax.
0: Mm, yeah, it, it's it's amazing how many of us don't know how to actually breathe properly or as well. <laughs> Most of us breathe through our chest rather than our belly also.
1: Yeah. So even just doing, you know, five to 10 deep breaths three times a day, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, to to help you connect back in with yourself and to help you get out of that stressed and that constantly on the go um, drive that we're in and help us just chill out a bit. And our body will thank us for
0: it. Nothing wrong with chilling out a little bit at at the moment, I say. Yes. (laughs) Well, it has been a pleasure Having you today, and thank you for answering all of my questions. I know I jumped up and down a little bit there through the different topics, but we just had so much to cover that I just wanted to um, make sure that we touched on quite a variety because you really do go through, um, yeah, quite a lot of varied things, which is so important to everyone at the moment. So thank you so much for joining us. and And where can people find you if they want to get in touch? You know, because I know that you do coaching and mentoring and um, Speaking events, maybe they want to do an online event with you or something. How can they get in touch with you? Yes, so
1: um, they can get in touch. Either I'm on social, so I'm on social media at Dr. Lisa Gad or my website, which is at Dr. Sorry, it's Dr. Lisa. <laughs> um, I'm also offering at the moment a free thirty minute coaching call. So if anyone is feeling a little bit stuck or needs some clarity, um, jump on my website or drop me a DM and happy to just jump on a call with you and see if we can give you teach you a couple of tools or help get give you a little bit of help as well
0: that's a great offer so I think everyone should take you up on that and I'll also have um, Lisa's website and her Instagram on the podcast information as well just in case um, you guys need it and yeah thank you so much for being on today it's been a wonderful chat And yeah, hopefully when this is all over, maybe we can um, catch up for a coffee or something. That sounds great.
1: And thank you for having me, Sarah, Jade. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up and I'm looking forward to hearing about your new little business venture.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much, Lisa.
1: (laughs) Thank you.